Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Birdwatchers General Store. For Lean's Cape Cod, birdwatchersgeneralstore.com. By L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com. By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com. And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com. Good morning. Welcome to our show number 693. You can tell we have an enthusiastic live audience here. And we're live from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's 2018 Raptor Weekend here at Audubon's Nature Center and Aquarium in beautiful Bristol, Rhode Island. A beautiful location, just a short walk from the sparkling waters of Narragansett Bay. And we'll be meeting some folks from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island in just a few minutes. We have a special thing going on today because of this Raptor Weekend. We have lots of birds here, birds of prey and one other bird that's pretty unusual, and because of that unusuality of that bird, we're going to make it our mystery bird today. We've, we've um, postponed our regular mystery bird schedule for today for this very special mystery bird. We're not going to give you the sound of the bird right now, but we will give you some clues, and then we will actually hear the bird live. And hearing this bird live is kind of unlike hearing, hear, hearing any other bird live, and you'll see what we mean uh, in a few minutes. But here are some clues for our mystery bird. It's a large and robust member of the kingfisher family. It has a whitish head and a dark eye stripe. The upper part's mostly dark brown with a mottled light blue patch on the wing coverts. The underparts are white. The tail is barred with rufous and black the territorial call is a distinctive laugh that is often used as a stock sound effect in situations that involve a jungle setting. These are pretty good clues here. <laughs> Our bird is native to eastern mainland Australia and has been introduced to parts of New Zealand, Tasmania, and western Australia, generally found in dry eucalyptus forests, also city parks and gardens. Our bird preys upon a wide variety of small animals including lizards and insects and worms and snakes and small fish. That's a little preview of our mystery bird contest. We'll give you the number now so you'll have it handy. We'll give the signal to call in in just a little bit. 781-837-4900 is the number. 781-837-4900. Our mystery bird contest coming along in just a little bit. As usual, we have some terrific prizes on our mystery bird contest, including a beautiful Droll Yankees bird feeder and a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app. It's the app that makes learning bird sounds a game. So those are the prizes and we'll do our mystery bird contest in just a little bit. Meanwhile, some of the stories and videos we have for you on our Facebook page this week. A million penguins on the Falkland Islands, British territories, are under threat because of Brexit. We'll connect you to the story from Newsweek.com. I can hear the presses rolling. Is that something new? All right. Um, in case you haven't seen any videos of a chicken walking on freshly poured concrete recently, we'll take care of that for you on our Facebook page this week, courtesy of a video from the folks at Prestige. Premix Concrete. 
And from RadioPublic.com. Uh, by the way, the the, the uh, state bird is is the Rhode Island Red still the state bird here in Rhode Island? Okay, just a little local tie in there. And from RadioPublic.com, we have the story of how we almost stopped climate change 30 years ago. Some of the stories we have for you on our Facebook page right now. You can find those stories, too, through an online search in case you're not a Facebook follower. We're always grateful to welcome new ambassadors to Talking Birds, and today is certainly no exception. Uh, we so appreciate Talking Birds listeners converting themselves into Talking Birds ambassadors and spreading the word about our show to their friends and neighbors. What we do is we send out some cards to all those willing to have us do that, and uh, you can then hand them out to uh, friends, neighbors, associates, and fellow workers. And we have new ambassadors to thank this morning. Maybe we could give some local applause to these, could we, when we announce them? We have Nick Cart from Lebanon, New Hampshire. <laughs> applause for you, Nick. And just to show how open-minded folks in New Hampshire are, he says, if you're ever in Queechee, Vermont, check out VINS. That would be the Vermont Institute of Natural Science. And we've been there. That is an amazing, an amazing place. Thanks for mentioning Nick, and thanks for becoming a Talking Birds ambassador. Thank you to Mike Levy from Center Reach, New York. He says, I've been interested in birding for most of my life. I go on birding trips and feed the birds in my yard, and I have a couple of bird baths. And I've been taking part in Project Feeder Watch for many years. I enjoy listening to your podcast and would be happy to spread the word. Let's hear it from Mike. Mike Levy in Center Reach, New York. And uh, this one, we're not making this up. We have our friend Mo. He, he calls him. We call him that. And his full name is Mohat Srimat Tiromala Pitinti. And he's in Hyderabad, the city of pearls in India. And he says, a big hello from India. Thanks for the amazing podcast. I'm a big fan. I look forward to each episode. The series has helped me get more interested in birding and the birding global community. It is the monsoon season in India, and the flora and fauna are out in full strength. I'm seeing a lot of sparrows, crows, pigeons, and occasionally this bird. Tim, can we play the sound of this bird? Oh. We're giving something away here. <laughs> Uh, that <laughs> live radio you never know what's going to happen and this is no exception anyway that the Indian cuckoo and I think that's the bird that Mo is referring to there what a musical uh, sounding bird he says I'm also keeping an eye out for the Indian roller Palapitta the official state bird of Telangana the state that I live in uh, Mo says, I'm still a novice birder, have a long way to go. Your show is one of the keys for me to take more interest in birds and bird watching. Thank you, Mo. Did we give applause yet for Mo? I don't know. Thank you. I'm going to wear out the audience here. Um, anyway, uh, we hope you'll join uh, Mo and Mike and Nick and become a Talking Birds ambassador. Pretty easy to do. Just send us. Um, no, don't send us anything. Just go to, we'll send it to you. Go to our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the 
contact button and then choose the ambassador option and we'll take care of the rest and we'll send you those uh, beautiful cards still to come on our show today we'll talk with larry tapp the executive director of the audubon society of rhode island and meg kerr audubon of rhode island senior director of policy we'll talk about pollinators and pesticides and other things and we're so happy to have them with us here and we're with them if you missed the very beginning of our show we are live here from the audubon society of rhode island's raptor weekend here at the audubon nature center and aquarium in bristol rhode island by the way if you're not terribly far from bristol rhode island uh right now plenty of time to still come to the uh, weekend because it goes on until four this afternoon and there's so much to see we'll find out more but it's a great great weekend still to come besides that on our show we'll catch up with our man mike o'connor uh, down at the bird watchers general store on cape cod in our let's ask mike segment on the topic of mealworms and how they're wonderful at the right time in the right place but can be a problem in uh, other regards and up next the bird we're Hoping to see down here in the lower 48 this fall and winter is today's featured feathered friend. Presented by Birdwatching Magazine. For more than a quarter century, Birdwatching has been North America's premier magazine about wild birds and birding. Johnson, what's this about a bill from the Red Cross? A bill, sir? I distinctly heard you talking about a bill from the Red Cross. Oh, sir, you mean the Red Cross bill. Don't parse words with me, Johnson. Oh, no, sir. Y you see, the Red Cross bill is a bird I saw. Johnson, how long have you been working here? And don't count today. Oh, but, sir, you, you don't understand. Oh, poor Johnson. He really was talking about a bird he saw. The Red Cross bill. Famous for that strange, twisted bill it uses to pry open conifer tree cones to get at the seeds. And why does it have that strange bill? Well, since the muscles that close a bird's bill are stronger than the muscles used to open it, kind of like the jaws of an alligator, the red cross bill opens its bill slightly, then inserts it in between the scales of a cone and bites down. The crossed bill tips push the scales apart, providing access to the seed inside. The Red Cross bill is so dependent on these conifer seeds that it even feeds them to its young. That means it may breed at any time of year, as long as there are plenty of seeds around. Apparently, when the seeds aren't as abundant as they might be, the Red Cross bill wanders southward as far down as the southern U.S., even as many individuals remain in the breeding grounds well up into northern Canada and Alaska. There's a lot of variation in the shape of the bill as well as in the voice of the Red Cross bill, and it's believed that the birds may actually represent several different species. But here's a typical song and call of the Red Cross bill. Look for it prying open seeds in a pine, spruce, Douglas fir, or hemlock tree near you this fall and winter. The Red Cross Bill, today's Talkin' Birds featured feathered friend. Welcome again to our show, number 900 and... No, it's not... Well, I'm way ahead of myself. 693. We're live here from the Audubon Society of Rhode Island's Nature Center 
an aquarium, a magnificent place here in Bristol, Rhode Island. And we even have the executive director of the Audubon Society of Rhode Island here with us, Larry Taft. Larry, good morning. Good morning. Thank you. You're welcome. This is a wonderful show. We're uh, very pleased to have you here at the Audubon Nature Center and Aquarium, Raptor Weekend. Well, we're thrilled to be here. It is such a wonderful place and so much to see. Uh, give us a little overview, though, Larry, a little thumbnail about uh, about Audubon Society of Rhode Island. It's been around for a while. We are celebrating 121 years. We are the country's third oldest Audubon Society, and Massachusetts and New, New Jersey are older than us, but we're all started a long time ago. Our mission is to protect birds and their habitats and protect other wildlife through three ways. We do conservation. We protect a lot of land, uh, close to 10,000 acres of land here in Rhode Island. Uh, we do a lot with education, not only community outreach like today's Raptor Weekend and other hikes and bird walks and all that, but a big presence in the local schools. Uh, we bring, like to bring kids out to Places like the Nature Center here, other refuges to do environmental education programs. Close to 12,000 kids participate every year. Our teachers, our naturalists uh, use STEM education methods to do that and get the kids really interested. And then thirdly, we do um, some good advocacy work. And we've been doing that since we were founded in trying to get good policies to help protect birds and the environment. And speaking of education, I know one of the things that you do is to educate the public on the importance of raptors. This being the raptor weekend, the raptors in their habitats. Why? Why is it? Why are raptors so important? Well, raptors themselves are um, umbrella species, really. If you have a to uh, where raptors can thrive, then you're doing something right. All the other species that uh, because they're predators and they're uh, in that so. That's an important thing. But also, people are fascinated by raptors, and that's just a really good ambassador to get people to start to pay attention. So uh, it's a captive audience, and we've been running this program for over 12 years, and it gets more and more popular every year. You also have here, uh, I was calling it the Bug Hotel, but you have a better name for it, I think, right near where, where we're sitting. Oh, well, off to our right, we have uh, what we our new pollinator garden. It's all about pollinators, and I know we're going to talk about that a little bit more. But, yes, we we built something, or I should say Barry, who our, I know, he, he's, he's giving me the cue. It, he calls it Buggingham Palace, and really what it is, a very big thing. It looks a little bit like a bookshelf, but it's full of uh, straw and bricks and things like that for uh, burrowing bees and uh, and other pollinators to find refuge, set up nests, or even to, for the winter time. And the thing is about pollinators is not about the European honeybee. We're very concerned about the native pollinators, the the solitary bees. And uh, I'm going to let Mig talk a little bit more about that. All right, it's Larry Taft, executive director here of Audubon Society of Rhode Island, and uh, the Meg to whom he was just referring is Meg Kerr. She's senior director of policy here for Audubon Society of Rhode Island. Good morning, Meg. Good morning. It's great to talk to you, and uh, we know that pollinators are important for many crops, but uh, how important are they? Are they important for all the crops, or how would you describe that? About 80% of the fruits and vegetables that we eat rely on pollinators. So it's critically important to us as uh, consumers of food to have a healthy pollinator population. 
And we think of honeybees as important pollinators. Uh, who are the other ones? Uh, who are the important pollinators? And they're not just bees, of course. Right. So there's lots of creatures that pollinate for us. There are birds that pollinate. Hummingbirds provide pollinator services. Um, bats do. There's a, a variety of insects that do. And there's lots of, as Larry said, there's lots of non-honeybee bees. There's bumblebees and other types of bees that are important pollinators. But really, in all of that spectrum, it's the bees that are, that are the most important. So we've heard a lot about colony collapse uh, in recent years. Uh, what is the status of that situation right now? Is, that, is it as dire as we were hearing fairly recently? Um, so the European honeybee, we've got about uh, half of the amount that we had in the 1950s. So we've lost a lot of the managed honeybees and colony collapse disorder is one of the threats to them. There are other threats as well. Um, there are diseases that the bees suffer from and there's um, limited forage food for them. There's climate change. So, and there's pesticides. So there's a lot of things that are impacting our honeybees and those same things are impacting our native bees. So one thing we're hearing about when it comes to pesticides is the neonicotinoids or neonics. How, how, how much do we know about them? I mean, how, how sure are we that they are a big problem? Um, we're not all that sure. So they're being um, limited in certain parts of the world. We're not uh, managing them here in the U.S. right now on a national level. Um, I think that it's important to realize that pesticides in general, they're just to kill insects and so pesticides are a problem for our pollinators uh, neonics as well as a whole lot of other ones as well and it's how they're being applied that's a problem what's the awareness do you think meg of, of people about this problem and if there is awareness what do you what do you recommend for us regular we regular folks to do I think a lot has been done to raise awareness. When you start seeing bees on the Cheerios, the <laughs> Honey Nut Cheerios, you know that uh, the public is becoming aware of the problem with pollinators. And there's a lot that we can do. I mean, one of the things that I start with is, let's start thinking about the world around us and not expect it to look like a golf course. Let's start thinking about rough edges and drive around roads and expect the, the roadsides to look a little bit unkempt because that's pollinator habitat. We want the, just like the uh, pollinator hotel or whatever you call it. <laughs> um, Bugminster Palace? <laughs> right, yeah, okay. <laughs> um, you know, the, the bees, the native bees need twigs and grasses and bare ground in order to have nesting areas for them to overwinter. And we need to allow our yards and our roadsides and the, the world around us to start looking like that. Meg Kerr is Senior Policy Director here at the uh, Audubon Society of Rhode Island, and we've also been talking with Larry Taft, Executive Director here at the Audubon Society of Rhode Island. Someone's trying to applaud over there. Maybe we could, could, could you make that contagious? Larry is in charge of the applause sign here. That's really, that's really nice. Uh, just one more thing quickly uh, for folks who'd like to find out about Audubon Society of Rhode Island, wherever they are, really, because you're doing a lot of stuff that applies to everywhere else. That's right. So we have a wonderful website, www.asri, which is, stands for Audubon Society, Rhode Island, .org. So www.asri.org. Everything you want to know about Audubon, its programs. You'll see great photos of Raptor Weekend. You can also catch us on Facebook. Um, but go to start with our website and you have the other links. And um, 
Also, if you want to know more about the pollinators and what you can do, we have a special piece on our website with that. Larry Taft and Meg Kerr, thank you so much. And coming up next here, it's our Mystery Bird Contest in just one minute. Talking Birds, we're for the birds. And we want to say thanks to another Talking Birds ambassador who's helping to spread the word about birds and conservation. My name is Rochelle Backer, and I live in Arlington, Tennessee. I became a Talking Birds ambassador because I love to talk to other people about birding, and I wanted to introduce them to Ray Brown's Talking Birds. I struck up a conversation with a gentleman while looking at bird baths. He started sharing stories about his hummingbirds. I could tell he was really excited about birds, so I told him about the show and handed him a couple cards. Talking Birds listeners, we hope you'll become a Talking Birds ambassador. Just visit our website, TalkingBirds.com. Click on the contact button and then choose the Become an Ambassador option. We'll send you some info cards to hand out to your friends and neighbors. That's the contact button at TalkingBirds.com. And thanks. Mystery Bird Contests, something we do each week on the show. And if you're not familiar with the contest, well, actually, in this case, even if you are familiar with the contest, it's different this week because we, uh, this is the first time we've had, I think, a non-North American bird as our mystery bird. So we invite you to call in. We have a fabulous feeder from Droll Yankees, makers of the world's best bird feeders, as our prize. And then a bonus prize is a download to your iOS device or online access to the LarkWire app, which uh, makes learning bird sounds in bird songs a game, and it is really cool. Uh, so we should probably give you the phone number, and it's 781-837-4900, 781-837-4900. And let me point out, this is the first time we've ever had a live bird as our mystery bird. And I mean live, as you'll find out in just a moment. Uh, Rick and Judy from Westie's Birds. Uh, Westies, um, let me get the right, is that the right Westies term? Birds prey, yes. Westies, Birds of Prey are here with us. Our mystery bird is a large and robust member of the Kingfisher family. It has a whitish head and a dark eye stripe. The territorial call is a distinctive laugh, often used as a stock sound effect in situations that involve a jungle setting. This would not be a black-capped chickadee. We've, ex we've gotten that clear. Our bird is native to eastern mainland Australia generally found in dry eucalyptus forests, city parks, and gardens. Um, so the number is 781-837-4900. And our friend Judy is going to be able to make this mystery bird vocalize for us uh, for the mystery bird contest. At least that's the plan. So, uh, Judy, if you would, take it away. Oh, my goodness. Wow. <laughs> wow, well, uh, that <laughs> we can't carry on from there, I don't think. Thank you, Rick and Judy. That was fantastic. And thank you, um, Hinkley. That happens to be the name. Uh, the proper name of our mystery bird, but that's the, not the name that we're looking for. If you give us that name, we'd probably count that as being correct. But uh, what is that bird? We gave you some clues, and you, I think, probably heard the bird. 
Uh, and the number again is 781-837-4900. That's 781-837-4900. Remember, even though our uh, Mystery Bird Contest is a little bit different today, uh, the same thing applies, and that is that you don't necessarily have to get the right answer to win the Mystery Bird Contest. If nobody gets the right answer, we'll do a little drawing from among nearly correct uh, answers received and uh, choose a winner that way. So once again, it's 781-837-4900. Um, don't let us run out of time. Give us a call as soon as you can. 781-837-4900 is the number. Meanwhile, we're going to check in with Mike O'Connor down at the Bird Watchers General Store, Orleans, Cape Cod. It's Let's Ask Mike Live in just one minute. Well, here's a preview of another great nature book from Houghton Mifflin Harcourt, publishers of the Peterson Field Guides, the Kaufman Field Guides, and many more useful guidebooks and reading books. If you're listening from the Southeast, you may be interested in the newest book in the Peterson Field Guide series. While some of the more than 1,800 species of moths in southeastern North America are drab grays and browns, many are quite colorful with swirls and swaths of pinks, greens, yellows, and violets. This comprehensive guide is the best tool for identifying and appreciating these ubiquitous insects. With helpful tips on how to set up a moth trap for observation, and with range maps and graphs showing when each species is in flight, the Peterson Field Guide to Moths of Southeastern North America provides everything an amateur or experienced moth watcher needs. Available wherever books are sold. Could we have the music for Mike, please? Thank you. Hey, Mike, is that okay? This is a little primitive uh, way we're playing this music here for you today, but uh, oh, we no, figured you could... Uh, that was you the could... best mystery bird ever. That was unbelievable. You, could you hear it okay? Oh, my God, I could hear it out the <laughs> window. <laughs> <laughs> and we're in Bristol, Rhode Island. Mike is in Orleans, uh, Cape Cod. And, um, yeah, so here we are. We just had some nice applause for you there, Mike. I don't know if you heard that. No, no, Maybe this, the, is uh, this is fun. Yeah, this is, this is good. Yeah. I could hear those guys. Good job. Thank you. Good job. Thank you. <laughs> you're, you're welcome. So it says here that you talk about uh, mealworms, and I know you no. like to talk about mealworms in no, general, but you have about, a... We're not talking about mealworms. We're talking about meal uh, moths. Which, uh, uh, meal moths. Meal moths, yeah. This is the time of year Sorry. where... Yeah, it's the end of the summer, and this is kind of the peak of their breeding season. Meal moths, if any audience has fed birds, they'll know about these. They get into the bird seed. They can get into all kinds of grains, but bird seed is a problem this time of year. I know we're short of time, so I'll go fast. But just I'll just say this really quickly. If you're buying bird seed this time of year, you don't want to store it in your house because the meal moths will get out of the seed, and they get in, they get in pet foods or in all kinds of untreated foods. So... Buy small amounts this time of year and keep your food like in a garage or a shed and away from, don't put it in your closet and, and don't be tempted to buy a whole bunch because it's on sale this time of year because this is the time of year where these uh, uh, bugs breed and they're a little bit of a pain in the neck. They're not harmful, they're just annoying and they'll kind of make your, your, your seed webby and clog up your feeders and, and kind of drive you nuts a little bit. So keep the food outside and if you, you know, in a shed or in a tin can and plastic bags and paper bags don't stop them these lobby just two right through these bags so keep it outside keep it fresh and uh, go watch out for that misty bird it sounds scary 
Okay, well, can we talk about mealworms next time since I introduced the topic? Uh, Yeah, yeah, yeah. okay. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Mike, thank you. Talk to you next week. Okay, enjoy your show. Yeah, bye-bye. All right, we're back here at the Mystery Bird Contest. Well, I guess we don't have our bird, but I think we probably heard him. We heard uh, our mystery bird plenty already, so... What is our mystery bird? 781-837-4900 is the number to call. 781-837-4900. And um, just quickly, uh, a, a clue or two on our mystery bird in case you missed it earlier. This is not a North American bird, mostly in Australia. It's a large and robust member of the Kingfisher family. And Dennis thinks he uh, might know what it is. He's out in Alamosa, Colorado. Why don't we give a round of applause for Dennis for calling in from out there in Alamosa, Colorado. Good morning, Dennis. Are you there? I am. I am Ray. I'm, I'm right here. Well, long-time listener, first-time caller. Well, thank you. Welcome, and say hello to our friends here in Bristol, Rhode Island, all the way connecting Hi, to Alamosa. In Bristol, Rhode Island. <laughs> yes, indeed. So, Dennis, you heard, uh, I guess you heard the bird. Uh, that must have been pretty clear. And you heard the clues well, and uh, all of that, yeah? We were able to figure it out, we think. We're going to go with the laughing kookaburra. Tim, I think he's got it there. <laughs> the laughing kookaburra is right. And thank you so much to, to Rick and Judy from Westie's Birds of Prey. And we are out of time for our show. Uh, stay on the line and we'll get the uh, entire uh, mystery bird prize package that we'll send to you. Many thanks to all of our friends here at Audubon Society of Rhode Island. A very special thanks to Candy and Chris for all their help uh, today. And uh, thanks to Mark Duffield and our on-site producer, Debbie Bleacher, and our awesome engineer, Tim McKenna. I'm Ray Brown. See you next week. Ray Brown's Talking Birds. Made possible by the generous support of the Bird Watchers General Store. Orleans, Cape Cod. Birdwatchersgeneralstore.com by L.L. Bean, inspiring you to get outdoors. LLBean.com By Celestron, offering binoculars and scopes for birders of all levels. Celestron.com And by Birds and Beans Shade-Grown Bird-Friendly Coffee. Birdsandbeans.com